Today's reading is taken from Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 to 27. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus Himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing Him. He asked them, "What are you discussing together as you walk along?" They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked Him, "Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things?" That have happened there in these days. What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more. It is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to him, to them, "How foolish you are!" And how slow to believe all that prophets have spoken! Did not Messiah have to suffer these things, and then enter His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He explained to them what was said in the Scriptures concerning Himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. It's、uh, great to be here on、uh, Missions Sunday, and、um, to have so many of our partners that could make today to be here with us and share about their work.、Uh, my name is Harold, and I am one of the mission partners.、Uh, Kendra and I have、uh, been mission partners with、uh, Shatin Church for a few years. And so it's a privilege to be sharing with you about something that's very dear to our hearts, and that's missions. So, let's pray, Father. As we look to your word this morning, would you inspire us, Lord? And Jesus, the same way that you open up the scriptures to those two disciples in the road to Emmaus. Would you also open our understanding this morning to see your plans, to see your desires, to see, Lord, what you are doing? And we eagerly want to join you, Lord. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I was blessed to、um, be raised in a Christian home, and、uh, since I was born. Uh, I was brought up to church and、uh, did all the Sunday school,、uh, you know, learn about David and Goliath and、uh, Daniel and and the lions. So I learned all of that. But here's a here's an interesting thing, though. 
I remember vaguely that maybe about three times while I was growing up, and this including my teenage years, about three times maybe I heard something about missions spoken in my church where I grew up. And uh, the idea of missions back then, it was very much these people that go to faraway lands and um, they don't have a lot of money and they wear funny clothes and they never come home. Um, they're always, you know, doing God's work who knows where. And that was my idea growing up. This, this is missions. And, you know, maybe some of us here today uh, also grew up uh, with this idea of missions and uh, not really understanding, you know, I mean, uh, we understand that we need to do something, but not understand where that even comes from. Yeah, that's the second slide. All right. So when I was 17 years old, um, a YWAM team, a Youth with a Mission, YWAM team, came to my church in Brazil to work with our church for about a month. And during that month, they were going to be doing evangelism in schools and uh, parks and the streets, doing door-to-door evangelism. They were also teaching our youth about missions and all of that. Well, two of those uh, team members were hosted by my parents at our house, which was great. Um, and, and it started breaking that mode of uh, missionaries, right? I mean, these guys looked pretty normal compared to the missionaries that I grew up hearing about. So, for an entire month, they're telling me about this missions thing and telling me about different ways to do missionary work, which to me was completely new. I mean, these guys were literally putting, you know, the man, Brazil in the 90s, the men were putting lipstick and going out on the, in the streets doing dramas. And I'm like, that's cutting edge, <laughs> you know? And uh, all these other different things they were doing street children ministries, and they were working with uh, uh, HIV-positive people. Um, and there is so many different things that they were doing, and they call all that missions. So at about the end of that month, I thought, well, Lord, maybe there's something there for me. So that entire month, my pastor had not preached while the YWAM team was there, except for that last Sunday. And as my pastor comes up, he says, he says, Today, I'm going to talk about the biblical uh, foundation of missions. And I'm like, that's the message I never heard. And at the end of that message, I could not help, but I was weeping and weeping and weeping and saying, Lord, I feel like you're calling me to do this. Well, so that was a long time ago. That was uh, 32 years ago. A week later, I was at YWAM base to do my DTS, and um, it's been 32 years. I haven't left yet. So, um, but today's Mission Sunday at our church, and um, we are also remembering that this is still part of the Lent season. And uh, as Cindy told us, Lent is a time of repentance. It's also a time of uh, reflection. Um, which makes it the perfect time to reflect on this interaction between Jesus and these two disciples in the road to Emmaus. So, as, as we read in the Bible just now, this encounter between Jesus and the two disciples uh, came right after the resurrection. And uh, 
Apparently, even after spending all this time with Jesus, the disciples could not understand God's plans. And it's very important that this here could frame their entire lives from this point on. If they understood what Jesus was telling them at this point, it would frame everything from this point on. So in Luke 27, uh, it says, beginning with Moses and the prophets. This means the entire Bible in those days. That's the entire Old Testament. It is Moses, it is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then the prophets from Samuel all the way to Malachi. And in other parts, in other parts of the gospel, it says Jesus also included the Psalms. But basically, what Jesus said, the entire Old Testament, which was the entire Bible in that time, was talking about him. And all the scriptures, Jesus then explained to them. So, next slide. Uh, let's look at this visual, visualization of cross-references in the Bible. It helps us to see the Bible is really one book. It is one book talking about one person, and that is the person of Jesus. So, each one of these lines that you see is a cross-reference between a verse. All of these lines in the bottom are Bible verses, and all of the the arches is where they're referenced in other places of the Bible. It's, it's, it's very much one book. And Jesus then explains what this is all about. Uh, next. Um, so, I, um, we would see that Jesus here, as he starts, he probably started with first Genesis 3, which is the fall when Adam and Eve sin. But then as it moves on, inevitably, Jesus would come to the introduction, which is when God makes a promise to Abraham. This is the point where God really starts to clarify his plan, his entire plan for all humanity. And this, this is often called the Abrahamic Covenant, it's a covenant that God makes with Abraham. But it's very important that we understand what's, what's inside of this covenant. Well, basically God is telling Abraham that uh, I will bless you and all your children, but they will be a blessing to others. It's not a blessing just to be blessed, but it's a blessing that will be a blessing to others. So God says, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. And so um, we all remember in children's Sunday school, probably, uh, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons have Father Abraham, and I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's praise the Lord, right arm. And then it goes on. So this idea of Abraham having many sons and many children, we're it. We are the spiritual children of Abraham because he believed we also are able to believe now. Believe now. now, the Lord said to Abraham, and this is in uh, verse uh, Genesis 12, 1 to 3, Go forth from your country and from your relatives 
and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and those who curse you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So here's some key words of this interaction between God and Abraham. First, it's go. And go requires a change of location, right? Ariel said earlier in the, uh, the, the, the children's time, you can't go and stay at the same time. You either go or you stay. But Father Abraham hears God saying, go. The next thing is, I will bless you. And you will be a blessing is the next thing. And so, but then here's the end. All the families of the earth will be blessed. Um, the slide six. Yes. So this interaction between I will bless you, we call that the top line blessings. And you will be a blessing. That is the bottom line responsibilities. So there is a Top, there is a top-line blessings. God wants to bless us. That's for sure. That's, we don't question that. We know this. God wants to bless us. But with this blessing comes a responsibility, and that is the bottom-line responsibility. We are blessed to be a blessing. So being blessed is not an end in, in itself. And if you're new to our church and if you're visiting for the first time and you think, well, you know, Christian, Christianity sounds pretty good because it's, uh, you know, bless me God, bless me God. Yes, there is an element of bless me God, but with that there is a responsibility of now I will be a blessing. And so um, uh, our blessings, for example, of health, financial resources, intelligence resources, networking resources, Every kind of resource we have must, uh, mo most important, salvation, that's the most important resource that we have. We've been saved, and then we have a knowing relationship with God. All of those come with a responsibility. So what is the responsibility? Well, it's to use these resources, these blessings, to bless someone else. So we use our health to help those who can't physically help themselves. We use our finances to help those in financial need. We use our intelligence to help solve problems that are difficult to solve. We use our networking to connect people to what is needed. But most important, we use our salvation, the salvation that we have in Christ, to be then leading others to salvation. And that's the... Top line and bottom line blessing. Uh, top line responsibility with the bottom line. Uh, I'm sorry. Top line blessings with the bottom line responsibilities. So next, how would we then read the story of the Bible? The story of the Bible, again, it's one story. And that if we approach that story with these glasses of Top line blessings, bottom line responsibilities. We should be reading the Bible in a certain way. So, for example, with Daniel in the lion's den, we all love to hear how Daniel was saved from the hungry lions. Every kid loves that story. It's so amazing, and adults alike. However, if we look at the language that is said about that story, 
is the language of the king saying now every language in all the earth will know that this is the true God. It's a language now that it's not we have been blessed by seeing this God perform miracles. Now everyone should know this. And then we see with David and Goliath, we all love the story of the little guy beating the big evil giant. But again, if we go to Chronicles, we see the language again. All the kings of the earth, all the kings of the earth will be, um, all the kingdoms and the kings of the earth will know that this is the true God. And then we think about uh, Solomon's wisdom. Every, all the kings of, around Israel were coming to get this wisdom. And then we see the temple, when Solomon built the temple. And this is one of the most impressive of all, because the very language of the temple dedication says, As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people, Israel... They will hear your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. And then here's Solomon's prayer of dedication. Do whatever the foreigner asks you so that all the peoples of earth may know your name and fear. And so as we read the Bible, and then obviously Jesus is the ultimate, all the nations, as we read the Bible with this understanding that with the top-line blessings comes a bottom-line responsibilities, we start to see that Israel was not just being blessed because they, wanted to be, they needed to be blessed. They were being blessed so that others would be blessed through them. Um, the next slide. Now... Um, in Acts 1.8, which also uh, Ariel mentioned earlier, it talks about, Jesus said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness. And here's the, these four different locations that Jesus talked about. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So let's unpack with missions in our mind. What does this mean? Well, Jerusalem is basically the, the idea of uh, our discipleship among ourselves. It's, it's the Jews being a blessing to the Jews who are already believers. So it's us being a blessing to the people in our church, blessing one another, being blessed and blessing one another. But Judea, that's um, when we are preaching to people that are very similar to us, except that they're not Christians. They're very similar. Um, they, they have your cultural uh, views of things. They have uh, been brought up very similar to you, except that they're not Christians. Now, Samaria, though, that's, an, uh, that's another level of separation because Samaria, it's when uh, you communicate, you can communicate without a lot of obstacles. But it's not the same culture or worldview. So it would be like for me as a Brazilian to go to Portugal to preach the gospel or to be like a, a Hong Konger coming from Hong Kong going to, for example, Qinghai in the mainland and uh, reaching to a Chinese there or uh, a Nigerian going to Australia and preaching the gospel there. You can use the same language 
Communication is not a problem in that. However, there is very much a different way of thinking and a way of just understanding things. In the ends of the earth, and that's, that's the big one. That's when you completely go cross-culturally. And going completely cross-culturally is what um, you see many of us are doing here today. Many of us uh, who are part of the missions partners here, we are going cross-culturally. You see throughout the, the, the tables here, people who have left their cultures to learn a new language, to learn a new culture, to eat a different food. All of that is part of going to the ends of the earth. So what is the conclusion then? So this is the story. What is the conclusion then? Well, the conclusion is in Revelation, and it tells us that every nation, every tribe, and every people and language will be represented before Jesus in heaven. So we have the introduction where God makes a, a covenant with Abraham. I will bless you so that you bless everybody else. Then we have the entire story of the people of God being blessed to be a blessing. And then we come to the end of the story where Truly, God's heart is showing that everyone is going to be blessed. And there will be representatives from everywhere. Um, so how do we think that we get to every tribe, every people, every nation, and every language? How do we get there? Next slide. 230 years ago, um, after seeing missionaries like the Moravians and the Wesleyans going outside of their cultures, the British young man, William Carey, which is arguably one of the greatest missionaries of modern history, he challenged the, his church of his day to make a commitment to go outside of their language, outside of their culture, outside of their worldview. And this is the response that he received. Young men, sit down. You are an enthusiast. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he will do it without consulting you and me. And uh, to this sad response, he was basically saying, guys, let's go reach the world. And the sad response that he got is, if God wants to reach the world, he will do it without you. Sit down. He goes on to write a response, which is famous, um, once because it has an incredibly long title, an inquiry into the obligations of Christians to use means for the conversion of the heathens. And this is the title of basically a manifesto, a missionary manifesto, that says, here's why we have to go. And he wrote this book, 80-some pages long. And uh, basically he's saying, it is our responsibility. It is our obligation to do this. It sounds like bottom-line responsibility, correct? So William Carey, he believed that this could be achieved if we were to use, for example, preaching, education, Bible translation, into other languages. All of that together would lead people who had never heard the gospel to hear the gospel and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And next slide. 
um, I don't know how many of you have actually visited Shatin Church's website, the missions tab. It was a plug today. Um, but I looked over and uh, here's some amazing things that is on in this uh, page. I think that a lot of our mission partners have visited this page. So it talks about evangelism and teaching, the unreached, especially in a 1040 window, sending missionaries to the unreached, carry out the five marks of mission. I had to ask Hugh what that was. And uh, I can tell you it's evangelism, discipleship, works of mercy, justice, and care for creation. And then, and bottom there, partnering through prayer and giving. Now, this is our church is committed to do this. But we can't look at this individually and say, well, check. I'm doing it because the church is doing it. No, the church is doing it if you are doing it. If you're not doing it, the church is not doing it. This is a, a corporate commitment that we now need to add our individual responsibility, bottom line responsibility. We have to do this. That's how this gets done. And so, um, as we now come to um, the end, um, there are three, three ways, very specific ways, that we can do this bottom line responsibility. And that is through prayer, through giving, and through going. Through, um, now, it's not like I, I do one of them or I do two out of three. No, we do all three circularly all the time. It doesn't mean that if I pray, I don't have to go, or if I go, I don't have to give. No, I pray, I give, and I go all simultaneously. And that is the calling for each one of us today to have this attitude, to have this commitment, to be responsible with what we've been given. Um, William Carey, at the end, his conclusion is, surely it's worthy, uh, worthwhile to lay ourselves out with all our might in promoting the cause and kingdom of Christ. As we're finishing now, um, our end song today is called Facing a Task Unfinished. This is, was a hymn that was written in uh, 1931 by a missionary with uh, China Inland Missions. Uh, which now is OMF International. And this was written to be a call for 200 missionaries to go into the heart of China in 1930. Okay? And more than 200 missionaries answered the call that is on this song and this hymn. And we know, now we can look at history, and we know that starting in the 1930s, it's one of the greatest revivals in the history of the world of so many millions of people coming to know Christ. But it's because there was a sense of, I've been blessed and now I will be a blessing. I have been called, now I will answer the call. So as I'm finished now, we're, I'm, I would like to pray a prayer of commitment. But before I do that, would you just take a moment and think about, and maybe it's a person, or maybe it's a group of people, or maybe even a country that does not yet have their faith 
on Jesus. A person, a group, or a country that does not believe in Jesus. And once you have that person, that group, or country in your mind, would you pray and ask God how he would like to use your means so that they would come to know Christ? So let's just close our eyes and think for a moment. And then I'll pray a prayer of commitment. Holy Spirit, as you hear the many names, names of individuals, names of uh, groups of people, names of countries that are a burden in our heart that they would come to know you, would you help us now, Lord, to commit ourselves to do everything that we can to see them coming to know you, Lord? And would you help us to commit, Lord, to not just be blessed, but to use our blessings to bless others, Lord. And it may be here in Jerusalem, Shatin Church. It may be here in Samaria, Lord, um, Hong Kong and City One. Or it may be in Samaria, Lord, um, other parts of the country, Lord. But... It may also be the ends of the earth, Lord. And help us, Lord, to not think too small and to doubt your ability to use our means to be a blessing in the whole world, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that uh, the fulfillment of revelation will come soon, Lord, where every nation, every tribe, every language, every group, Lord, will come to know you. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.